America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great day that marks the unofficial beginning of the DeSantis campaign for president. It is a campaign that has already drawn a great deal of attention. The governor of Florida has raised a huge pile of money. Uh, not quite as much as President Trump, but uh, still close to $200 million. Now that, <laughs> when you've just been uh, re-elected governor of Florida by 20 points, that's a, a pretty good pile to be sitting on and uh, could be used, uh, obviously, for the upcoming campaign. The uh, uh President uh, DeSantis, want-to-be president, Governor DeSantis, was visiting Iowa because, of course, everybody knows that in the middle of March, as we're coming up to the spring deadline, right, it's it's much more pleasant to be in Iowa than uh, in Florida. Uh, not usually. But uh, he also has trips planned immediately uh, to Nevada, which is... Uh, of course, in weather terms, but it also is in terms of being a crucial early state where the Republicans have not messed around with the schedule of primaries. It's still Iowa and New Hampshire. And uh, what a lot of people are thinking about is that with the support that he is received and receiving and the money that he has stored up, Donald Trump, who was actually uh, filmed uh, dancing, no, really, this is the closest to really dancing that we've seen on President Trump. You remember Al Gore dancing at the uh, Clinton inaugural? I know that's a long time ago. That's back in 1993, but it was still a memorable dance. He was kind of doing the twist, and it was environmentally sound. But um, President Trump uh, was dancing at the birthday party of his... Uh, soon-to-be daughter-in-law, the fiancé of his son, uh, Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is part of uh, the idea that there really is such a thing as uh, an American establishment. Uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle was formerly married to Gavin Newsom, who is now the governor of California and could at some point in the future be running against her, oh, uh, could be running this time against her soon-to-be father-in-law or her husband, uh, Donald Trump Jr., or you name it. Well, 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. There's also breaking news on uh, CNN that the Mexican authorities have arrested five people in connection to the kidnapping of four Americans in Matamoros, Mexico, the uh, attorney general for the state of uh, Tamaulipas uh, in Mexico, which is where Matamoros is located, his name, uh, the attorney general, is Irving Barrios Mojica. Uh, he has called the kidnapping and the murders uh, a senseless crime. The uh, cartel has also formerly uh, apologized. We talked about that yesterday carrying out uh, the, uh, the, the cruel act that left two Americans dead and one Mexican woman dead who was apparently caught in crossfire. 
The uh, case remained very confusing to investigators who were still obtaining information on the kidnapping last Friday. And considering all angles, so said a Tamaulipas uh, prosecutor's office official familiar with the investigation, um, according to the uh, before the news of the arrests or five arrests took place. The uh, will this actually calm down the uh, idea of people like Lindsey Graham, who have called for basically using um, missiles to uh, hit uh, various cartel officials while they're sleeping. And uh, this is on somebody else's territory. It's not American territory. He wants to send the missiles to Mexico. The um, uh, Mexican president issued a statement earlier today, uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. He issued a statement saying that uh, he would not permit any country to uh, send uh, troops into Mexico uh, uh, without the permission and cooperation of the Mexican government. Uh, he has been notoriously, notoriously inept in terms of dealing with the cartels, saying that uh, the cartels should be uh, tamed through hugs rather than bullets. And that kind of policy doesn't generally work. Uh, there is also news about the U.S. economy. This uh, at the time that Washington is still reeling from the presentation yesterday of President Trump's, uh, President Biden's, pardon me, uh, huge new budget, his proposed budget, which is uh, dead on arrival, as people say. No one thinks it will have any chance at all of passing either the House or the Senate. Uh, in the Senate, there's still the need to deal with some nominal Democrats, people who are parts of the Democratic caucus, but who do not like the out-of-control spending. People like Joe Manchin of West Virginia, his presidential prospects we've talked about, and uh, and Kirsten Sinema, whose prospects as an independent senator who is now caucusing with the Democrats, who knows where she could go uh, when the election yields its results coming up, uh, results that are widely expected to give the Republicans an excellent chance of uh, winning back control of the Senate. And uh, the good news is that um, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, who fell and endured a concussion at a dinner, it was a fundraising dinner for Republican Senate candidates, and he is apparently feeling much better and will return back to work. He's 81. Not so the another incapacitated U.S. senator, capacitated U.S. senator, and that would be Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, who is suffering from they now reported as severe depression following his stroke, and they don't know when uh, he will be back. There was uh, some news footage they permitted of him sitting in the common room at the hospital where he is staying, and uh, and apparently attending to Senate work, though nobody knows exactly what that means. Uh, there is also uh, this, which is pretty shocking news, and it deserves the front page. It, it got the front page in many newspapers. Criminal charges against Trump seem likely. Prosecutors signal. 
And the report says the Manhattan District Attorney recently signaled to Donald J. Trump's lawyers that he could face criminal charges for his role in the payment of hush money to a porn star. The strongest indication yet that prosecutors are nearing an indictment of the former president. They have invited him to testify before the grand jury. Now, in this kind of situation, where someone is facing possible indictment from a grand jury, uh, he has the right to say, no, I choose not to testify, and that's what people expect him to do. The prosecutors offered Mr. Trump a chance to testify next week before the grand jury that has been hearing evidence in the potential case, the uh, people in the office said. Um, Such offers almost always indicate an indictment is close. It would be unusual for the district attorney, Alvin L. Bragg, to uh, notify a potential defendant without uh, ultimately seeking charges against him. Any case would be the first indictment of a former American president and could upend the 2024 presidential race. It would also elevate Mr. Bragg to the national stage. Mr. Bragg could become the first prosecutor to charge Mr. Trump, but he might not be the last. In Georgia, the Fulton County District Attorney is investigating whether Mr. Trump interfered in the 2020 election. And at the federal level, a special counsel is scrutinizing Mr. Trump's effort to overturn the election results. That and more coming up on the MedBed Show. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, President Trump not only uh, dancing at his uh, soon-to-be daughter-in-law's birthday party, Kimberly Guilfoyle's, but uh, also doing some singing. Well, not exactly singing. He participated in a mixtape to show solidarity with the January 6th prisoners. They have a January 6th prison choir. Did you know that? And uh, they have a patriotic mixtape that they have uh, put together to win financial support for the January 6th prisoners who many people believe are political prisoners. For instance, what about that QAnon shaman, shaman, uh, the Jacob Chansley is his name. The um, Chris in Linwood, Washington, sent, sent in an email. It's, it's fairly detailed. I'll share it to make sure that Chris gets a fair chance. By the way, you can call 1-800-955-1776. On your show on uh, Monday and Tuesday, writes Chris, you claim that the QAnon shaman pled guilty, which means he must be. Well, okay, uh, I do think that most people who plead guilty and accept a prison term, do so because they recognize that uh, they will have a lesser prison term than they would if they actually stood trial and found themselves convicted. That's the way the system works. And by the way, it's very, very important for the justice system that, uh, that, that people have the opportunity to plead guilty and then have a lesser charge rather than sending everything to trial. 
uh, even though his prosecutor was telling his defender that they didn't have all the evidence yet, the QAnon shaman's public defender made him take the guilty plea anyway. No public defender can make you take a guilty plea. You can be influenced. The uh, QAnon shaman's mom and his new lawyer just did a great interview on Tucker and instead of just brushing it aside and not thinking for yourself, why don't you watch what that lawyer has to say? Watkins was the QAnon guy's previous lawyer, and it had him plead guilty before the government even had all the evidence given to the court. Even the government was telling defenders not to schedule court dates because they hadn't supplied all the evidence yet. The government was still telling judges that they still had more evidence and they made the QAnon shaman plead guilty anyway. Okay, the QAnon shaman not only has pled guilty, but he has issued statements in which he recognized his guilt and he said that his own conduct was reprehensible. And according to many reports, he is trying to become a better man and avoid criminal behavior in prison. There's, there's also a, a, a claim that has been uh, checked by PolitiFact and by the Associated Press and by many other sources. The claim is that pol Capitol Police officers helped the QAnon shaman, Jacob Chansley, and acted as his tour guide. This uh, <laughs> receives a, uh, a verdict of pants on fire from PolitiFact. That's the equivalent of five Pinocchios. It's the l least truthful rating you can receive. Uh, the uh, AP writes that uh, Chansley climbed the Senate dais and sat in then-Vice President Mike Pence's seat, you've all seen the video, taking pictures of himself. Despite repeated uh, requests from Robichaud, who was one of the Capitol Police officers, Chansley refused to vacate the seat. Mike Pence is a beep traitor, he shouted. The uh, Also from AP, the claim, footage from the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol shows that Jacob Chansley, who participated in the riot, sporting face paint, no shirt, and a fur hat with horns, was, quote, led through the Capitol by police the entire time he was in the building. AP's assessment, false. Court documents and video footage from the attack on the Capitol make clear that Chansley, who is widely known as the QAnon shaman, and is one of the most recognizable January 6th rioters, that's because most other people did not wear helmets with horns on them, uh, entered the Capitol without permission. That itself is a crime, was repeatedly asked to leave the building, and was not accompanied at all time. For example, the statement explains that Chansley entered the Capitol through a broken door as part of a crowd that was not lawfully authorized to enter or remain in the building and that he was one of the first 30 rioters to go inside. It goes on to note that although officers asked Chansley and, other, and others multiple times to leave the Capitol, he did not comply and he actively riled up his fellow rioters. The statement describes Chansley's interactions with officers, but also points out that he entered the gallery of the Senate alone. And there's more about one of the very important aspects of the claims that inspired January 6th. The, January 6th was all based on the idea that we had a fraudulent election. 
that the election had been stolen, that Trump had actually won. Uh, headline, Trump lawyer admits to lies about election. And this is one of the lawyers you saw on TV a lot. Uh, the lawyer who worked with Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, her name was Jenna Ellis. She's pretty, and she was in the background most of the time, backing Rudy Giuliani, for instance, on that day when his hair was bleeding, if you remember, whatever it was, hair dye or something dribbling down his face. But Jenna Ellis, a lawyer who represented President Donald J. Trump after his loss in the 2020 election, admitted in a sworn statement released yesterday uh, that she had knowingly misrepresented the facts in several of her public claims that widespread voting fraud led to Mr. Trump's defeat. The admissions under sworn testimony by Ms. Ellis were part of an agreement to accept public censure and uh, settle disciplinary measures brought against her by the state bar officials in Colorado, her home state. Uh, last year, the officials opened an investigation of Ms. Ellis. According to the sworn statement uh, yesterday, some of Ms. Ellis's lies about election fraud were made during appearances on Fox News, several of whose top hosts and executives were recently shown to have disparaged Mr. Trump's fraud claims in private, even though they supported them in public. The revelations about these discrepancies have emerged in a series of court filings by Dominion Voting Systems. Ms. Ellis... A part of the so-called elite strike force of lawyers that took to the air and traveled across the country in support of Mr. Trump's false claims of fraud is also embroiled in the Justice Department's investigation of the former president's sprawling efforts to reverse his loss to Joseph R. Biden Jr. As part of the investigation, which was taken over in November by special counsel Jack Smith, Dozens of grand jury subpoenas have been issued, many of which have requested information about Ms. Ellis. Okay, if she now has publicly admitted that she was lying and she knew it, does that say something to you? We'll be right back. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show. Uh, I'm talking about at one time part of that elite strike force of lawyers that President Trump dispatched, led by uh, Rudy Giuliani. Where's Rudy? You know, President Trump at his rallies is one of those things that I actually find quite endearing. He uh, very often will think of somebody while he's speaking, and then he interrupts the speech. Says, Where's Rudy? Where is he? Where, where is he? And he, he waits for him to wave, and there he is, and points to him in the crowd. Okay, where is Rudy? I mean, he has been very much out of the picture. He was closely involved with Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. And uh, as a part of her public censure, and, and again, she's admitted that she knowingly lied. She specified 10 occasions on TV where she told blatant lies. But... Um, 
She says as part of her public censure, Ms. Ellis agreed that her legal work for Mr. Trump, quote, caused actual harm by undermining the American public's confidence in the presidential election. Wow. But uh, officials noted in the statement that a selfish motive and a pattern of misconduct were aggravating factors in the case. Ms. Ellis admitted to 10 misrepresentations of the facts during her work for Mr. Trump, beginning within weeks of the election being called for Mr. Biden. On November 20th, 2020, for instance, so what is that, two weeks after the election, uh, Ms. Ellis appeared on Maria Bartiromo's show on Fox Business describing the evidence that Mr. Trump's legal team had supposedly collected to support their claims of fraud, a position that she now acknowledges was completely untrue. There was no evidence. This is amazing. And uh, then it also talks about what uh, she said on Maria Bartiromo's show, which she now acknowledges to have been false, She said, we have affidavits from witnesses. We have voter intimidation. She falsely claimed on Ms. Bartiromo's show. We have the ballots that were manipulated. We have all kinds of statistics that show that this was a coordinated effort in all of these states to transfer votes either from Trump to Biden or to manipulate the ballots to count them in secret. She now acknowledges there was no evidence. She was lying. Two weeks later, Ms. Ellis appeared on Janine Pirro's show on Fox and declared that Mr. Trump's legal team had discovered more than 500,000 votes in Arizona that were cast illegally. She acknowledged in the statement issued uh, yesterday that this claim was also completely false. Groundless. Okay, when people who are involved with public deception and with misleading the public and making people sick and indignant and heartbroken and disillusioned based on nothing, shouldn't that at least get some attention to give us some sense of the truth? It's one of the reasons I think that so many people are looking at a new direction in the Republican Party. There's a new poll, and it's a poll many people have been waiting for. We mentioned it before. Many Iowa Republicans, this is the new Des Moines Register, uh, Iowa State poll. Many Iowa Republicans remain committed to Donald Trump, but the former president is seeing his support erode as campaigning begins to heat up ahead of Iowa's 2024 presidential caucuses. That, according to the new Des Moines Register poll, Trump, who launched a third White House bid late last year, has seen his favorability numbers in the first in the nation caucus state steadily decline among Republicans since they peaked in September of 2021. And the percentage of Iowa Republicans who say they would definitely vote for him if he were the nominee in 2024 has plummeted by more than 20 percentage points since June of 2021. Now, part of it, is the presence of DeSantis, who was in Iowa today. And he actually used the uh, opportunity of one of his speeches in Iowa 
to test out a new word that will be part of his campaign. That word is wokeocracy. That's a, a negative term to uh, Ron DeSantis. Clip 18. Because woke ideology has infected so many institutions, uh, if you really want to protect the freedom of your folks, you got to be willing to defend them against the left imposing their pathologies on, on your people in any of these institutions. So we've got to fight if we see it in medicine or the universities or the corporations. You can't just say, let it go, because then we're going to be living under an oppressive wokeocracy, and we can't that happen. Okay, no, we can't let that happen. And obviously, one of the reasons, and I write about this in uh, our newsletter today, one of the reasons I, I think it's unlikely that Trump would ever select or try to end the campaign or neutralize uh, DeSantis' campaign by asking him to join the ticket, asking him to run for vice president, I can't think of anyone who is less suited to be vice president than Ron DeSantis. Why? He's an activist. This is a guy who would not like sitting black playing checkers in the Naval Observatory and waiting to attend funerals of foreign dignitaries, which is what vice presidents do. The vice president's job is boring. It's frustrating. No one who has been vice president has said, oh, boy, that was a great opportunity for me. It is a job where basically careers mostly go to die. And the only vice presidents who, who do well are vice presidents for very successful presidents, like George Herbert Walker Bush was vice president under Reagan. In any event, um, Nikki Haley is somebody else who is an activist, and it seems to me as an unlikely person to enjoy the vice presidency. She was actually speaking, it seems to me, courageously and honestly when she was campaigning in Iowa. Clip four. We have to be realistic. It is unrealistic to say you're not going to touch entitlements. The, the thing is, you don't have to touch it for seniors and anybody near retirement. You're talking about the new generation, like my kids coming up. You're talking about that. You've got to start thinking 10, 20, 30 years out. We can't just think about one presidential election. And we've got bigger issues, so we've got to start making bigger solutions for these problems. When you talk about these entitlements taking up more than a third, more than a third of what the government spends, uh, obviously we have to do what they just voted to do in the French Senate. In the French Senate, they voted uh, 210 to 115. It was overwhelming to raise the retirement age there officially in the country from 62 to 64. And, of course, they have demonstrations in the streets. Uh, Look, the idea of raising the uh, retirement age rather than adding $7 trillion of new taxes, which is what uh, President Biden apparently wants to do, is that really what we need over the next 10 years? Uh, we will be talking about that. We'll also be speaking about a political figure who plays a part in this ongoing debate. His name is Reagan. We'll be talking about that with Rich Lowry and more coming up on The Medved Show. There was also a, um, uh, a, a new appearance, public appearance, very important one, by Glenn Youngkin, who has been discussed as a potential presidential candidate. He's the new governor of Virginia. 
he actually won a smashing victory in his governor's race in a state that had been trending blue. He did a town hall on CNN about the issue of education, which, as we were talking about with uh, Ben Carson, former cabinet member last time, uh, could be a sleeper issue to help Republicans. So what did Glenn Youngkin have to say about the education issue? We'll get to it coming up on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. It's the Michael Medved Show. And uh, I have not forgotten about uh, something that was of great interest to me when I discovered it last night, which was the Trump and Prison Choir mixtape. This is not a joke. It's not a fraud. It's not Saturday Night Live. It is real. And uh, it represents, it seems to me, a strategic statement by Trump and his campaign about what they prioritize in this campaign. We will get to that with a Michael Medved music review of that mixtape coming up. But first off, uh, Glenn Youngkin, who is constantly mentioned as a potential Republican candidate for president or vice president, he's the governor of Virginia. He's very popular. He won a wonderful election victory. His background is not in politics. He is not a professional politician. He was a very successful businessman and somebody without lawsuits or bankruptcies or controversy in his business background. And he was uh, just on CNN doing a town hall on education because that was one of the big issues on which he ran. And he ran on the idea that parents should have more to say about what goes on in the schools that the parents pay for and to which they entrust their most precious possessions, which are their children. And yes, yes, I'm not seriously suggesting that children are the possessions of parents, but children are the responsibility of parents, which is precisely why if you're going to make people legally responsible, you have to give them some kind of discretion in terms of how their children are going to be raised and yes, educated. For instance, a youngkin was asked last night at the CNN town hall, he was asked about his stance on the removal of books, pornographic books mostly, from school libraries. This is clip 10. My whole approach to this starts with parents and transparency to make sure that parents know what's in the library and parents understand what materials are being used in the curriculum. And so last year, we were able to pass a bill on a bipartisan basis that gave parents full visibility into materials in the classroom. And if those are sexually explicit materials that aren't consistent with family values, then a parent can request a replacement, a replacement material into their child's curriculum. See, I do believe that there's moments where we have to make decisions about what's age appropriate and what is appropriate. And those are hard decisions, but we shouldn't run away from them. We should engage in them. And these are healthy discussions for us to have. What books should be in an elementary school library? 
Should they have explicit pictures in them or not? Well, I don't think there should, they should be there. And these are decisions that I think we should take on as opposed to run away from. I, I think a very effective answer and a very appropriate answer. And he was also asked uh, about this controversy about withholding National Merit Scholarship notifications. Now, people have tried... <laughs> <laughs> have tried to impose this because the idea that there might be some people who are doing better in school and some people who are doing worse in school uh, destroys the whole notion of equity. I mean, equity means, right, a participation trophy for everybody. Okay, I, I, it was a, I, I was a National Merit Scholar, and I, it was one of the greatest days of my young life. And to have that notification and to be on that list and it, it it was wonderful and it was one of those things that I had worked for actually and uh, here is Governor Yunkin on the whole idea of uh, treating uh, kids who can do honors work with honor uh, listen this is clip nine last year some Virginia schools failed to notify quickly National Merit commended students yeah. of their recognition at your request. The Virginia Attorney General is now investigating this. What was suggested and communicated um, by senior officials in schools was exactly that. That they had held back uh, notifying students of their National Merit commendation because they didn't want other students to feel bad. And this was more than just one case. Next thing you know, we, we, have, we have over 16 or 17 schools across one school district that this was happening in. The reality is that, that when a school hires consultants to come in and teach equity for all students, equal outcomes for all students at any cost, we end up with these kinds of circumstances. We have to celebrate excellence. We shouldn't embrace equity at the expense of excellence. Students work hard. They, should, they receive these kinds of accolades. Their parents and their kids should know. Yeah. They should know. I'm glad to hear some applause for that proposition. And, and then it was inevitable. This is not, I think, one of the, the best issues to rally on, but it's a real issue in schools. Uh, a um, trans man in the audience, uh, it was a town hall format, asked, uh, well, asked <laughs> Governor Yunkin, that uncomfortable question about bathrooms. Uh, listen, clip one. Uh, Governor Yunkin, your transgender model policies require that students play on the sports teams and use the restrooms that correspond with their sex assigned at birth. Look at me. I am a transgender man. Do you really think that the girls in my high school would feel comfortable sharing a restroom with me? Yep. So first of all, Nico, thank you for again asking the question, being here tonight and uh, engaging in this important discussion. I believe first, when parents are engaged with their children, then you can make good decisions together. And I met your dad, and I'm glad that you're both here together. That's really, really important. I also think that there are lots of students involved in this decision. And what's, what's most important is that we try very hard to accommodate students. That's why I have said many, many times, we just need extra bathrooms in schools. We need general neutral bathrooms, and so people can use a bathroom that they, in fact, are comfortable with. I think sports are very clear. 
and I don't think it's controversial. I don't think that biological boys should be playing sports with biological girls. Uh, there's been decades of efforts in order to gain opportunities for women in sports, and it's just not fair. Um, and I think that's pretty that's that's non-controversial and something that I think is is pretty well understood. Um, again. I think these are very difficult discussions, and I am very, very glad to see you and your dad here together. Okay. Again, this is a very skilled uh, politician. And again, taking what uh, was a challenging question where obviously the sympathy is going to be all in favor of the transgendered male, somebody who started off as a female, the, the question also you could supplement it beyond what Governor Youngkin did is this is somebody would this individual insist on trying to compete on the male uh, teams and as long as you're going to separate males and females in sports which is necessary to give women a chance in many sports or to give men a chance in gymnastics for instance I mean women seem to that is one area where the difference does not necessarily work in the uh, behalf of the males. But, uh, look, uh, we should need hear more from Youngkin. Uh, and he may not run. In fact, he probably won't run. It's already a crowded field. But uh, that Republican voice that you just heard with a couple of answers and that was very evident last night on the town hall it seems to me is necessary if we're going to broaden the base of the Republican Party and get away from the idea that uh, basically uh, the Republican ideology is just extreme and angry and promising, I, I am your warrior, I am your uh, justice, I am your retribution. What the hell does that mean? I'm sorry. And retribution against whom and uh, involving what? Uh, President Trump also made a statement. He wants to try for treason the members of the House of Representatives who served on the January 6th committee. Can you imagine? I mean, treason is a death penalty. That's what the, uh, <laughs> the statute law says. And it's actually what the Constitution says. But uh, treason, uh, headline from Mediaite, uh, President Trump said the unselect committee of political hacks and thugs has been totally discredited. They knowingly refused to show the videos that mattered. They should be tried for fraud and treason, and those imprisoned and being persecuted should be exonerated and released now. Okay. And then Mediaite quotes the law that says, yes, treason is a capital offense. We can do better. We can do better in this greatest nation on God's.